Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. G'day everyone, my name is Dave, welcoming you back to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage, inspire, and resource you by giving you access to the speakers, the thought leaders, and experts who are rethinking and reimagining the way ministry can be done. Now, last week, we had Reggie Joyner, the founder and CEO of Orange, on the podcast, talking about why every church needs a strategy. And this week, I got to talk with him directly to press him on the information he shared last week and to dive deep into the impact a clear and compelling strategy can have. I am convinced that everyone listening or watching will get something out of this conversation. Hey, Reggie, thanks so much for joining us. It's so good to see you. Yes, good to see you too, Dave. What time is it in Australia right now? Well, we are recording right now at just before 5.30 a.m. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's, well, it's nice, 3.30 right? in the afternoon here, so I guess <laughs> I'm sleepy for a different reason. <laughs> I'm sleepy because I just woke up, but it's so good oh. to see you don't look sleepy at all. Hey, Reggie, I've got, I want to stop asking you this question. When I first heard about Orange, I got told that Orange is like a family ministries curriculum company. But over the years, <laughs> as I've been more involved, I've learned that Orange is actually a church strategy company. Why, why does church strategy matter so much? I mean, isn't, isn't it the mission that's the most important thing? Why, why focus on strategy? Well, because we know a lot of organizations that have a noble or a great mission, but it's not the mission that keeps them with influence and keeps them in business. There are great organizations that had a great mission, but they went out of business, not because of their mission, but because of the lack of a strategy. And the most important organization on the planet, as far as we're concerned, is the church. So we love to say it is ultimately your strategy, not your mission, that determines your success. Because if you haven't debated and dialogued and innovated around how you're going to make sure you continue to influence a generation, then chances are you're going to lose influence. Mm. So have I got that correct? Orange is more of a church strategy company? It is. It is. We would say that there are five issues that we think are important to innovate around that never change. And uh, curriculum is just a solution or an answer to pieces of the strategy. But what we really want leaders to understand is how to sit around in a room and collaborate over the five issues that ultimately will determine their success as an organization and make their mission happen. It's the strategy that ultimately determines whether the mission is going to be successful or not. Well, Reggie, I don't know if you're meaning to tease everybody who's listening to this podcast now by talking about these five things, but they're not talking about them. So I'm just going to bluntly ask you, can you tell us what those five things are? Sure. I mean, think about it with me for just a second. We all know that leadership is a critical issue, that it doesn't matter what curriculum you use if you don't have the right leaders. And we all know that messaging and what you recycle to make sure a generation understands from a timeless perspective that they carry with them one day is a big issue. We believe that partnering with families and that what happens in the home is more important sometimes than what happens at the church. Actually, we would say Mm. it's always more important. And then we would say that giving a kid or a teenager a consistent leader in their life besides their parent, which is where community happens 
and a sense of belonging takes place is important. And then the last thing we would say is that discipleship is linked to service, that if you teach a form of discipleship that is only information or knowledge based, but you're not engaging kids to actually do the work of ministry, they'll walk away from the church one day and grow out of the programs. They will get over what we teach them. They'll get over what we do for them. They won't get over what God does through them. So that's a different way of looking at this. But these five things, leadership, messaging, parents, a community and service become the things that we want to continue to improve so that we are strategic about how we make sure a generation understands and sees God through those filters. And so how does Orange help churches with those five specific areas? Is there anything that y'all do specifically? Absolutely. I mean, we have an entire event strategy built around the idea of aligning leaders the idea of getting leaders to understand how to work together, how to build teams together, how to innovate around all five of those issues. We do have a curriculum that we feel like embodies or actually helps churches accomplish a messaging strategy. They can edit that curriculum, they can customize it, but we give them the tools that we feel like are important for them to actually win every week in how they're discipling kids with content. Then we have a lot of resources, including a parent queue app, that helps churches build a bridge to engage parents mm. consistently into the strategy. And then the idea of community, oh my goodness, I mean, this is what we do when we recruit volunteers to show up weekly for kids, how we train them in conversations, the lead small book, which are the five things that we want every small group leader to know and master. We wanna train those volunteers on the front lines. And then the last thing is, what do we do to make sure that all the way through our entire curriculum and process, we're reminding everyone what Jesus modeled and taught as he showed up on this planet to create a culture of service and to put other people first. What does that look like? Because again, we think you can actually sabotage the discipleship of a kid if you put them in a class, but you don't actually engage them in ministry. You just unpacked some huge things that I'm sure uh, there's a, uh, like everybody who's listening will want to find out more. And I'm going to give details about how people can find out more about each of those five things. Obviously, COVID changed a whole lot of what Orange does, and it's changed a lot uh, for, for churches as well. What do you think it looks like for churches to redesign the way that they do ministry in light of the pandemic and in light of what whatever the future church might look like? Well, we love to talk about how to re how to redesign or design your ministry so that it lasts. And by last, we mean a couple of things. One is that once you're gone as a leader, the ministry that you put in place continues to happen. The other thing is that what you invest in every week in the heart of a kid or teenager continues to last in last in their life through adulthood. So, you know, I would say a couple of things. One is you have to anchor what you're doing to what is timeless and the why behind everything so that then you're willing to change what should be changed in the light of what can never be changed. Mm. What never changes is only highlighted in the context of the innovations and the changes that we make. If we fail to make the changes we need to make, what is at risk mm. are the timeless things that should never change. We, we have this all backwards sometimes. I know I grew up in a church that was always worried about changes and making changes that somehow we were going to make changes and it was going to actually affect our mission the problem is if we don't make changes we'll affect our mission in a way that's negative so again we're back to this idea of anchoring to what is timeless for the sake of what never changes or what what has to change so that we're making the changes that we need to make
Mm, it sounds a lot like what uh, our friend Andy talks about. You you marry the mission, but you date the model, right? Is that essentially yeah, what you're yeah. saying? That's great. Marry the mission. Only I would say I would add an addendum to that, and it would be having common values that are timeless. Mm. I mean, the values that determine how you react or respond to the mission that make up your strategy. And it's, it's such, such an interesting thing because when we built North Point and, and Andy and the leadership team, those of us who started North Point would sit around a table. We decided one day there are certain values that will and should never change. As a matter of fact, if they change, we would no longer want to work here. Mm. Understanding what those values are, give us a common, a common debate. We can debate the how to accomplish those values, but if we're agreed on the values themselves, then our debates never cost us relationally because we're still on the same page moving in the same direction. And some organizations get confused. They confuse what is timeless for what should change, and they debate the things that should change as if they were timeless. <laughs> and man, that can cause all kinds of chaos and division in the church. I mean, you and I both know churches who fought about styles of music. They fought about the style of the message and whether you should preach expositorily or topically. I mean, they yeah. fought about all these issues. They're all how issues. Yeah. We keep our mind and our heart focused on what is really important in the priorities that will never change. Mm. And we can innovate around those. That's awesome. Now, I know part of that process and, and clearly because of what you've given your life to is the idea that one of those values is family ministry. Why is a family ministry strategy the best approach in your mind for churches who are rethinking church right now? Well, we think if you go back through our five issues, align leaders, refine the message, uh, elevate community, partner with, with parents or engage every parent, and influence service, that in every one of those five issues, the parent plays an important role and the family plays an important role for a simple reason. Mm -hmm. If you do the math, the average church has about 40 hours a year with a kid who shows up consistently. The average parent has about 3,000 hours a year. So a parent by default will have influence, more influence than the church with a kid or teenager. So simply leaning into that 3,000 hours that a parent has and engaging them into the strategy will elevate your influence as you disciple a kid or teenager. If you don't spend time and energy inviting the parent, engaging the parent into the strategy, you're going to leave all of that potential influence on the table and the kind of impact you will make won't be as great. That's why we love to say two combined influences, the family and the church have a greater impact than two separate influences. I mean, they could keep doing their own thing, but when they come together, it can be magical. Mm. Gosh, Reggie, you, I just, I feel like I want to have you right beside me whenever I talk to church leaders, because you are just summing this up so, so, so well. I know, uh, obviously, you're coming to us right now uh, from the set of a masterclass that you've just, I, I think you've just finished recorded. Can you tell us, like, what is that about? What, what's the masterclass yeah. on? Well, the master class is called Redesigning Your Ministry to Last. Uh, we love to say that you'll never be able to build something that lasts if you're not willing to change what you build. And it really does explore these five issues coming out of the pandemic in a new way to go, what are the shifts that are happening in each one of these issues that we need to understand for the next decade if mm. we're going to build a church that impacts the future? Again, these five things don't change, but honestly, I mean, you know this because of the spaces you live in. How we disciple kids is going to have to be a hybrid now, both in digital and physical spaces. 
how we engage parents, for example, right now is going to expand what we look at and what we do when it comes to the communities and neighborhoods around our church, because it's not just the parents who show up at church on Sunday. It's the parents who stay at home on Sunday that we've got to figure out how to build a bridge to. We call it, you know, the Sunday at home parents and the Sunday at church parents. We have been programmed for decades to think about the Sunday at church parent, not the Sunday at home parent. But going mm-hmm. forward, we've got to do both equally. When we talk about aligning leaders around measurements or yardsticks that we'll use to measure our success and clarify wins, we need to make sure that we're not only measuring by attendance, but we're measuring by influence. Because the number of people who show up on Sunday morning should not be the only indicator of whether or not we're impacting a community. So we could go on and on and talk about how those shifts are happening, but our understanding of those shifts and connecting our innovations back to the why and back to what is timeless is what this masterclass is about. Wow. So, so what, what do you hope will be the outcome of this masterclass for, for like current church leaders who, who watch it? And maybe, you know, I'm thinking my kids, right? I'm thinking when my kids are uh, serving in the church, when they're, they're leading in the church, what, what do you hope my girls get out of it as well? Well, I hope there's a shift that happens for the church in general. I, I hope that the church will become much more relational. We love to talk about what that looks like. I think your kids and my kids, as they grow up, they're not interested in something that just simply teaches them theology. They're, they're interested in something that will actually give them community in a way that's authentic, a way that impacts their everyday world, a way that impacts my grandchildren and one day your grandchildren and how they see God and the future of being aware that God is a part of their everyday life. And I, and I think that we are living at a time when it's more important than ever for the church to simply put their programs, put their practices, put their models on the table and go, okay, if this really is about a relationship with God, if this really comes back to the great commandment of loving God in such a way it affects how we love others and we see ourselves, then let's start over. Let's let's make sure we hold on to what is timeless, but let's redesign what we're doing in a way going forward that not only impacts those who love the church, but that re-engages those who've drifted away or disengaged with the church to reimagine why the church exists to begin with. Reggie, I feel like I want to ask you a question that might come from a bit, little bit of left field, but I know having talked to a lot of church leaders here in Australia, a lot of them are discouraged at the moment because things are in so much uh, flux, right? Everything has changed. They're not sure what the future looks like. But every time I talk to you, I leave the conversation feeling so hopeful for the church. You carry around with you so much hope for the future of the church. So what would you say to that leader right now who's listening to this, uh, whether, regardless of what level they're at, uh, you know, lead pastor, executive pastor, a family ministry, student, whatever that is, and whatever size of their church, what would you say to them as a way of offering hope for what the future holds? Why do you have so much hope for the Capital C Church? Well, in my life, it's been reinforced over and over and over again that even though there is sometimes bad press around the church and the community of faith, because it is a human organization, it represents human leaders who make mistakes, who fail. But when I, when I go back in time and I look at the overall mission of the church, the church has done amazing things through time. And uh, when, you, when, you, when you actually zero in on the positive sides of what the church exists to do in the light of the mission that Jesus gave us. And when we're acting like Jesus and following Jesus, it is the most beautiful, most powerful thing on the planet. There's a reason that Jesus called us the salt of the earth. 
And he reserved that adjective for us as leaders and as people because he wanted us to recognize and understand that there is a value and a worth that we bring to humanity that is so important. And I have so many stories in my life where I've watched churches step into communities and transformation happen in the lives of kids and teenagers. But I had this one moment that I, I was on an airplane and I was working on this message related to how we see people changes how they see themselves based on the story of Zacchaeus. And I, I'm a very private person. And when I'm working on my computer, I want to make sure nobody's kind of looking over my shoulder. And I felt this lady leaning in beside me. And it was this awkward moment when I could tell she was reading what I was writing. And then I heard her say, that is so true. Mm. And I looked at her and I said, I wanted to say, I'm writing a book called It's Personal. I don't have time to have a personal conversation. But I, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was leaning in for a second and going, okay, you know, what's going on? And she said, I just think the statement that how you see people will change how they see themselves is such a positive statement. And then she began to explain to me that she was an agnostic psychoanalyst, psychotherapist that worked with transitioning senior adults from their homes to assisted living. And she started mm. talking about the complications of that because she was trying to get these senior adults to, to think I'm going to my next place to die, but instead to think I'm going to my next place to start living in a new way again. But she said this to me about, you know, the content that we were looking at. And I, in my mind, I, I did this thing I always do, Dave. I, I don't mean to do it, but I start trying to apologize because she's an agnostic and I figure she's probably had baggage with the church. And she mm. begins to sense that I'm apologizing for the church. And she says, no, 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 no. She's, this is what she said. I love the church. She said, no one shows up to help me give people hope like the church does. Mm. So here was an agnostic recasting vision to me as a Christian leader about why the church matters. Because at the end of the day, the church is the light, the church is the salt, the church exists to give good news and hope to a generation who needs to know that they're not alone and that God cares and loves them unconditionally. And there's so mm. much power in that. And when we forget that simple fact, we can get, I don't know, disillusioned or we can get distracted by all the many things we're trying to do and forget that we exist for a very specific reason to show the world who God is and to show them that he cares and that there's hope. And so I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's, it's a reminder that we all need to have. We need to lean at each other and remind each other of that fact that the church really does matter. And if you were to take the church out of culture, out of communities, it would be like turning the lights off. Wow. So good. That was, I'm sure that that encouraged a lot of people who are listening to this podcast. I'm already planning to send this around to some of my pastor friends who are feeling exactly what you're, you're talking about right now and need that sort of injection of hope. Reggie, one last thing. Um, so this masterclass that you've talked about, you've, you've teased it a little bit. How can people jump on? How can they, how can they find out a little bit more about it and sign up for it? It's orangemasterclass.com. The name of this particular masterclass is redesign your ministry to last. And honestly, Dave, it's probably everything I know. I mean, I just, you know, years ago, I wrote the book, Think Orange, and we've written so many other books between then and now. And I just sat down and took everything I've ever talked about, everything I know. It's probably about a seven or eight hour course. And I don't know, maybe at this stage of life, I'm just handing it off to whoever's next to say, okay, this is all I got. Here's what I know. Now take it and do it better 
Because at the end of the day, you got to build something that lasts, which means you've got to act like two things are always true. One is that you should stay where you are doing what you do for the rest of your life. And two is that somebody will take your place. You need to act like you'll never leave and act like someone will take your place at the same time. Because if you'll get those two things in your head, it will change the way you design what you design. Wow. Reggie, Johnny, you're just a wealth of knowledge and information and wisdom. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Really appreciate it. We'll give some details to where people can jump onto that masterclass at the end. Thanks for getting up so early in the morning in Australia, Dave. (laughs) It's always good to see you, mate. Well, as Reggie said, a good strategy in your church will change everything you do. And we're here to help you in any way that we can. Now, for years, our team has been asked for a resource to help individuals and teams learn what it means to think orange. And in a year where we had to rethink everything we know about doing ministry, it's never been more important to go back and remember the why. So we've spent the past 12 months working on something that is brand new for our organization. And we're now inviting you to join our very first Orange Masterclass. This first course is called Redesign Your Ministry to Last. And in 40 plus videos, Reggie Joyner unpacks the key values you need to prioritize to build the kind of ministry that will last far beyond a person, a model, or yes, even a pandemic. You can join Reggie for a sneak peek of the latest Orange Masterclass with a live Q&A immediately after at orangemasterclass.com forward slash webinar. That's orangemasterclass.com forward slash webinar. Well, this is actually our last episode for the season. Our team are going to take a break so that we can work on some new ideas that we have for the podcast and we'll be back with a new season in early 2022. And as I've said all year, thank you so much for watching and listening. My name is Dave Adamson. And remember, when you think next generation or church strategy, think orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com. 